Hi, Atan. Yes. Hey, how are you? This is Mike Frailer with Forgotten Maverick Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling into this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So uh, no problem at all. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, I always enjoy catching up with former NBA players and uh, particularly ones that spent some time in Dallas. That I'm a lifelong Mavs fan, born and raised here. And I remember when you were on the team. I know you had you actually didn't get to officially play here due to injury but right. um right. yeah but, but i mean i remember you being being around a little bit mm -hmm. so yeah like i said i'm just a huge mavs fan and i wanted to catch up with mavs from the past and talk to them about their basketball career and, and what they're doing now and and, and things okay. like that so i'm excited to talk to you okay easy enough all right great so um one of the first things that i that i just wanted to ask you was just you know growing up as a kid in tulsa what got you interested playing basketball Oh, well, we have a lot of um, a rich basketball tradition in Tulsa, especially my high school, which is the same high school as Wayman Tisdale and oh, wow. uh, Richard Dumas. Yeah, so we, you know, we, we had a really good, um, you know, team when I was in, at Booker T, back-to-back uh, -back state champion. So, you know, just growing up and watching basketball, we had, you know, Lee Mayberry, uh, watching him, and, um, you know, John Starks is from Tulsa. So we, you know, we, and I grew up, and I grew up a Knicks fan, actually, um, because of John Starks. Oh, wow. you know, John Starks came. John Starks came to my middle school, Carver Middle School, and spoke with us. And after that, I was like, "Oh man, he's the man!" You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. grew up, grew up a Knicks fan, and you know it was, uh, you know, it was great. A lot of basketball around me when growing up. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, in one of my previous episodes, I actually talked to Jake Voskel, and he mentioned uh, oh, yeah. that you guys were on the same uh, traveling team back in Oklahoma. Right. Well, we played one time, but you, we usually played against each other. Ah, okay. And then, and then we played against each other in college. Um, he was at UConn, I was at Syracuse. So yeah, yeah. We saw, we saw a lot of each other. So. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I enjoyed my conversation with him. Um, mm -hmm. So as, as a high school player, did you play against any other future NBA players uh, at Booker T? Uh, yeah, no, uh, let's see. Well, Ryan Humphrey I played with. And um, he 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 played went to Notre Dame and then played uh, with Orlando for a year uh, for a few years. Um, let's see, playing I, I'll play more against um, future NBA players when I would leave Oklahoma. You know what I mean, and go to the, mm -hmm. you know like the Nike camps and Adidas camps and stuff like that. And that's you know I was in the same class with um, you know Kobe Bryant and Tim Thomas that class of '96. Yeah, uh, Corey Benjamin. I mean, we were kind of loaded. Um, so that's what that's what I usually play against future NBA players. Oh wow, yeah, no, no, that's really neat. So once your college, or I'm sorry, your your high school career wrapped up, uh, what was the recruitment process like that led you to Syracuse? Well, I was born in New York, and um, you know I always grew up loving the Big East and loving Syracuse and loving mm -hmm. Georgetown, and that's really what I, you know, and I knew I kind of wanted to go back to the East Coast for school. Um, so I, I kind of knew where I wanted to go already. So it wasn't like a big, big recruiting process because I kind of already knew where I wanted to go. Um, okay. So yeah, so it was it was it was great. You know, spent four years in Syracuse, had a great time. You know, met 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 my wife, got my degree. You know, I can't I can't complain. Yeah, I know that's uh, that's really cool. And um, I'm I'm a 
I guess like a, just a casual college basketball fan. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, I, I remember, I remember watching you play a little bit. What, what are some of your most um, memorable college basketball memories during your time at Syracuse for you? Oh man, well playing in the dome was just amazing. Yeah. And you know, we would play against rivals like Georgetown and UConn and Villanova and the dome would be packed with 30,000 people and they're all <laughs> screaming just the energy. It was just, all of those games was just, you know, just amazing. Um and that many people. I mean, even when I when I left Syracuse went to the NBA, I was like, "Huh, this crowd's a little smaller than what I'm used to." Yeah. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Because yeah. the dome was just packed. Yeah. And um uh, yeah, but the dome is just an amazing place to play. Gotcha. Yeah, it uh, it always looks like a cool place whenever I see, uh, see it on TV. So that's that's pretty right. cool. That you got to experience that. Um, so your college basketball career ends in in two thousand, and mm-hmm. you're getting ready for the two thousand draft. What was your pre draft process like for you? Did you work out for a bunch of teams, or what was that? Oh, yeah. experience like. Yeah, I worked out for like ten teams. Uh, oh wow! Because my because my range was like from I think it was from eight to 15 mm-hmm. that was my range and I think I worked out for all of them that was in that <laughs> range and then a few I was like oh my god after a while I was like okay I can't work out for anybody else I'm tired you know <laughs> it was just like whoever's <laughs> gonna take me is gonna take me and it just so happened that the, the the team that took me was the first team that I worked out for which was the Mavericks oh wow so they, they were the first team I worked out with <laughs> and so uh, but it was it was great you know it was um Mark Cuban's first draft class. Yeah, and yeah, that so, was his first you know, full year, yeah. His first draft class. And so it was Courtney Alexander and Eduardo Nahara and Donnell Harvey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a we had a good little young unit, you know, and it was great meeting all the guys and talking to them, you know, because you'd seen them play and you played against them during the season and stuff like that. And, you know, being able to see we're young players then. So we're young and we're looking at, like, you know, you know Michael Finley and Dirk and – Steve Nash and Gary Trent, you know, and the veterans mm-hmm. and, you know, really just seeing how they do things and, and watching them. And really that, you know, that team, I mean, it, it, it was amazing how afterwards, you know, when Steve Nash left, but I, that really surprised me because Steve Nash was such a, you know, key part of that team and him and Dirk was so close. It was kind of like, you know, what could have been, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I was, uh, I think I'm still recovering from that day that I found out. He oh, I hear, you. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. But uh, he went on to have pretty good success after that. So I, I don't, I don't blame him for it, but uh, it was uh yeah, that was a, a rough time. So, um, so you, you come into that, to that training camp, like you were saying, and I actually, when I was doing a little bit of research on you, I, I came across a picture of you with Mark Cuban and, Nahara, mm-hmm. Courtney Alexander, and Donald Harvey all holding up your jerseys together. So oh, the jerseys. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. With Mark Cuban that. with the wrinkled shirt with the stain yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I exactly. remember that. Yeah. So, well, like I, like I touched on briefly before, you actually didn't get to, to play any any games here. Um, it, it was a toe injury, right, that kept you from playing? Right. Uh-huh. Yep, a toe injury. So I had to, um, I had to sit it out, then I had to have uh, surgery on my toe. And then oh, in the man. middle – of the season, yeah, and in the middle of the season, that's when they made the big trade for Jawan Howard. So, like, half the team went up yeah. to Washington for Jawan Howard. I think it was, like, six of us. Uh, Leitner, you know, um, who else was it? Yeah. Hubert Davis, Courtney, me. Courtney, it was yeah. a lot of us. Yeah, there was and a then, lot. Um, Lloyd Vaught. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm curious about NBA players' trade stories, like, just mm. basically how it happened or how, like, how did it, how did you find out that, you know, even though you weren't playing, you were going to be heading to, to DC? 
Well, interestingly enough, I was coming back from my um, surgery. I was flying back in because I had my surgery in L.A., so I was flying mm-hmm. back into Dallas. And when I flew back in, um, checking my messages, I had a message from Don Nelson uh, to saying it. And then I had a whole lot of messages after that. But that's how I found out, you know, from my voicemail. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Whole world, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it is. Yeah, that's, that's how it is. I found out over voicemail. Yeah. So while you were, you know, on the sidelines during your time in Dallas, what what were your impressions, though, of, of you know, of like Dallas as a city, the Mavericks as an organization, and and you know, of the, of the big three of Finley, Dirk, and Nash at that time? Oh, I mean, first of all, I I, I love the city, you know, but I was familiar with the city growing up in Tulsa. It's been a lot of oh, time yeah. in Dallas, you know what I mean? Coming in there, whether playing AAU or, you know, that's just a hop, skip, and jump away from Tulsa. And, yeah. you know, so so the city part was great. Um, and watching those veterans, I think that was great too, you know, and, and then being able to have, you know, start to talk to Mark Cuban. And he was an interesting character, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> nobody here had never seen, you know what I mean? So in his position, act the way that he acted. You know, he had a locker room. He had a locker like in our locker room. Oh you wow! Know, and he would be and he would be working out with us and lift the weights <laughs> and you know he running on the treadmill and then he how animated he was on the sidelines and you know what I mean <laughs> just all this stuff. I was like, oh, this is a little different, yeah. You know, but but he was uh you know so it was just kind of just an awakening you know to to the NBA and just kind of watching. That's what I was doing a lot of my rookie mm-hmm. year, just really watching. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. And thanks for going into detail about that. Um, I guess at the beginning of that season, you know, that was, you know, it's kind of, even though you didn't get to play here, you were drafted by a team that was very much on the rise at that point. You know, they had finished the Mm -hmm. previous season really strong and expectations were, you know, it was an exciting time in Dallas. Like the Mavs were finally good again. Right. Do you have any like anecdotes or anything that you can remember in particular that, you know, struck you about, about uh, Finley, Nowitzki and Nash? I mean, well, I just seen the way that they approached the game, their professionalism. I mean, mm-hmm. seeing Dirk shoot a million shots, you know what I mean, yeah. <laughs> before the game and after practice. I mean, yeah. working on the same shot, and he had like that little, you know, kind of gangly kind of arms type type of, you know, demeanor when he's shooting mm-hmm. and when he's walking around, and he just practices the same shot. And he's like seven feet, you know, shooting like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just seeing that part was really like, huh, I don't know if I've seen a seven-footer shoot like that before. Yeah. And then, you know, just seeing Michael Finley's professionalism and the way that he approached everything. Um, you know, and that's what you're supposed to do as a young player. You're supposed to watch mm-hmm. and watch the older players and, you know, watch the vets and how they do everything. And it was it was, it was, it was good. You know, they were, they were definitely a really good group. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was a, an exciting time here. So – February of that year, you're traded, and then the following season, you actually get to you see some court time, and you get to play some. But in September right. of that year is when Michael Jordan announced his comeback. Um, right, you're in DC. What was that like? I mean, were you like completely caught off guard, or had there been rumblings for a while that that he was going to come? Or I'm just no, yeah. completely caught off guard. Oh, the wow. thing about it is, we were such a young team. Yeah, we were supposed to team be a team where. We just played, and it and it didn't even matter if we won or lost because we're so young, and you know, <laughs> just drafted Kwame Brown, and you know, we had like really a young, young team. Mm-hmm. So then it goes from that to having playoff hopes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 the pressure of having, you know, Michael Jordan on your team, <laughs> and you know, so it it became completely different. And really, who got the brunt end of that was uh, Kwame Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, because when he when he was drafted, he was the best player hands down in the draft. People criticize. 
uh, Michael Jordan for drafting him. But I saw the workouts with my own two eyes. Mm -hmm. They brought in Eddie Curry. They brought in Tyson Chandler. They brought in all the other big men in that position. And Kwame destroyed them. Like, it wasn't (laughs) even close. You know what I mean? It it wasn't even close. That's hard to picture, but yeah. (laughs) It's hard to picture, but I I can attest to it because I witnessed it with my own two eyes. You know what I mean? So. So, you know, but then just the, the pressure, you know, Doug Collins is a, a tough coach for young players to play for. And, you know, that's kind of been kind of historic with him. But then with the, with the, but then also with the, uh, with the pressure of playing with Michael Jordan, it just was a lot. You know, it, it was just a lot. You know, but had he had been in a different situation where that pressure wasn't there, you would have seen a totally different Kwame Brown. That's interesting. You know, but wow. yeah, totally different. And I, I always say that and always tell that story because people <laughs> – you know, they weren't there, so they don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I saw it. I was like, man, that cat was good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's very interesting. How did uh, Jordan treat rookies at that time? Because I guess you were technically considered a rookie since you didn't play the previous season. Right. I was a rookie. And Jordan, I mean, I, it all depended on your demeanor and who you were and 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 how you acted. I mean, I was kind of quiet, just worked hard, you know, didn't really say much, you know, mm-hmm. and I had no issues with Jordan. Jordan was like, you know, <laughs> keep working. Your time's going to come. Just keep working. Yeah. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Now, if a, if another person comes in and they think they're the man and they're like, okay, I'm going to challenge Jordan. No, you, you can't. Then you have a different Jordan that you see. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, I mean, but he was, he was good. You know, it was just, there was so much pressure to, to win because of the fact that he came out of retirement and he's Michael Jordan, you know? So it's just a, it just changed everything. <laughs> yeah. It changed everything. You go from playing with no pressure to playing with all the pressure. I mean, it went from all our games were televised. Yeah. I the Wizards that. weren't televised before that. They no. had no games <laughs> televised. <laughs> and it went from that to every game being televised. You know? So it was just completely different. Yeah. I remember that. All of a sudden, like, I think it might have been like the home opener or something. NBC picked it up. I remember that and just being like, this is weird. Like the Wizards game is on TV in, in November. Right. Yeah. No question. No <laughs> yeah. Question. That was, I definitely remember that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you were there through that, the Jordan era of Washington and then, but you know, then they started to see success after that. Um, right. With right. Jameson, Gilbert, Karan Butler, yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, and you guys, you know, had a pretty, pretty good rivalry with Cleveland at the time. What was that experience like, you know, transitioning from, from the Jordan era into this new era of Wizards basketball that you were – and, you, I mean, you were a big-time contributor to those teams. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Coach Eddie Jordan was a great coach, you know what I mean? And, you know, we had a, a great team that we amassed together, and, you know, we just, we just couldn't quite get past Cleveland, you know. But we, we had some great battles. And, uh, you know, it was great. It was great, really, for the, the city. Uh, um, you know, it was great for the area, great for the organization. And, you know, I mean, because we went to the playoffs, I think, three or four straight years. And yeah. We were, yeah, we just, you know, had a real good battle one year with um, where we beat the Bulls. And, um, you know, they were, they were, they were, had a lot of young talent with, mm-hmm. you know, Tyson, Tyson and Eddie Curry and all of them. And then we, uh, I think we, we played Miami after that. I mean, we, we, we had some good some good runs, so it was a it was a lot of good a lot of good memories. Definitely, yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about your during your Wizards experience was um, when they discovered your heart problem in a mm. in a physical. Were you aware that anything like that was going on before you had that physical done? Yeah, I, I had that. Uh, so what I had was a murmur, and mm-hmm. um, it's a leaky valve, 
And I had that since I was in middle school. Okay. So that was, that was something I've always had. It just had to have it monitored. So there's just certain things that I couldn't do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, like I didn't, I couldn't do caffeine. I had to get like, you know, just certain little restrictions that I've always had. Yeah. And I always knew at some point I was going to have to have surgery. I just didn't mm-hmm. know when, and I didn't think it was going to be at, um, you know, at 29 years old, yeah. <laughs> I definitely didn't think yeah. that, but, um, you know, I was glad they, they saw, and I'm always, I was always monitored. So it just came at the worst time. It was like right before, training camp one mm-hmm. you know one season so i had worked you know you're preparing all before that and then right before training camp they're like oh wait a minute we'll see something <laughs> you know you yeah. know like oh now i was yeah. like right now really but um yeah so that was a little bit of road to recovery after that did you contemplate retiring at that time just for for your health's sake well, I, I once I got all the information, I I knew I'd be I would be fine because they just had to just you know fix the valve or replace the valve and I'd be fine. Gotcha. But it was more so the 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 writing off of that the papers were doing with me that made me want to really push to to come back and prove them wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And you know, talking to other people that had um, open heart surgery, they they um, experienced the same thing. I started talking a lot to to Ronnie Turioff. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. He had he, that. Yeah, yeah. Right, and uh, Fred Hoiberg, um, who had it as well, and I, I was talking to him like all, all the time, mm-hmm. and they had the same experiences of people like kind of just writing them off and saying, "Okay, well, you had this, then you're you're pretty much done." So it was kind of that push to kind of come back. So that's why I didn't really think about retiring. Yeah, no, that that's admirable, and you know, obviously, you got to come back and play a few more years. So right, uh, happy right. for you in that regard. Uh, also, one Wizards question: What was uh, Gilbert Arenas like a, as a teammate? Just because you know you you hear things in, in the news, he's kind of right. a quirky guy. Or uh, what? Uh, well, what do Gilbert you was like him? a Gilbert was like a chameleon, so he would kind of change sometimes. Mm-hmm. So my experiences with Gilbert was a lot different than what the world saw. Okay, you know, so I mean, so me and him, we would have conversations about politics. We'd have conversations about things that were going on, and you know, he would he would see like a quote that I would have, or you know, I remember he asked me one time about you know something of a, that I that I, a book that I wrote, and asked me some particulars about it. And he was sitting there looking at it. He was like, "Huh?" So, like, so you're kind of into politics a little bit. So so we had totally different conversations, you know. And every, and every, whenever I say that, people are like, "Wait." Gilbert Arenas was talking about politics? Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, we had all these great conversations. Oh, wow. I remember the election night, you know, he we was in Milwaukee, and he called me in my room. He was like, man, what is this electoral process? I don't understand this. What is going on with this? And I was, <laughs> and he was like, let me come down to your room. I was like, come on, man. And we sat there and talked about it. He was like, I still don't understand it. I was like, well, it doesn't really make much sense to have, but that's what it is. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's the best way I can explain it, but it doesn't make much sense to have. Yeah, we had all these great conversations, but you know, people saw yeah. different sides of Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, no, that that uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So you're in, you know, you spent what was it seven years in Washington, and right. um, then you know you went on to the Thunder, and that you know the Thunder were were good that season. You didn't get to play a whole lot, but uh, right. know, they, they turned things around, turned the corner, and you got to play with a very young Durant and, and Westbrook. Right. Um, uh-huh. And um, James Harden, yeah, well, yeah, and Harden as well, and uh, Jeff Green, I guess. And uh, right, what what was that experience like for you? I'm, I'm guessing you were like probably one of the the elder men at that point. Yeah, me and Kevin Holly were the, yeah. were the grandpas on the team. Yeah, <laughs> and so so it was we we would be talking all the time. We'd be like, man, these cats are going to be good. Like we don't even know if they realize how good they are and how yeah. good they're yeah. going to be. And I really wish they would have been able to keep that team together. Oh yeah. man. 
and James Hart, those those three, I mean, goodness gracious, they had a crew. Um, you know, and then with Jeff Green and with Serge Ibaka, I mean, they really had a crew. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they could have really had a dynasty. I don't know how they would have figured it out, you know, as far as pay-wise, but that was a good team. <laughs> that was a yeah. really good, talented team. And, and their work ethic was really, you know, you know, Kevin Durant, he, he – I'd never seen anybody – coach tell a player okay that's enough go home that's enough practicing that's enough shooting you know what I mean that's what I saw a couple times Scott Brooks said to him he's like okay KD that's enough go home (laughs) I was like wow I don't think I've ever heard that before that's funny (laughs) you know but yeah their work ethic was amazing absolutely and um, you finished out your career in Atlanta the following year Um, Mm -hmm. and I know you have like a a pretty, uh, well-rounded life outside of basketball, whether it's with Mm -hmm. with poetry or, um, political activism or your foundation. Um, how did, what sparked your interest in in poetry? Oh, well, I, I kind of grew up really kind of admiring poetry and spoken word and just, yeah, just a way of really expressing yourself. And, you know, I started writing speeches. I was a speech and debate when I was in high school. So I was Mm -hmm. a speech and debate debate nerd you know what I mean if I perform speeches <laughs> different places and you know what I mean perform other people's poems I was like all right let me start writing my own speeches write my own poems so that's how it kind of just started okay yeah no that, yeah, that's, that's really neat and you've written at least one poetry book or is it two now well I've written one poetry book then I did another book that I did with a lot of young people really okay. to get their voices out and then I wrote another book um, called fatherhood rising to the ultimate challenge um, and then uh, this last book, this, this latest book that just came out is, uh, we matter athletes and activism. And, um, that's talking about everything that's going on right now with athletes protesting. And, you know, mm-hmm. I interviewed a lot of different athletes, you know, from, um, I mean, goodness gracious, uh, Eric Reed and Tori Smith, athletes that are in the news right now. And, you know, Russell Westbrook and D Wade and talk about activism. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell and oh, wow. Robinson and Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf. But then I also interviewed, um, like I interviewed Mark Cuban, you know, oh, cool. and Ted Leonsis and Adam Silver to talk about how they feel about activism. Because one of the things that I, that I really, you know, was really impressed with was Mark Cuban was watching him when, when um, Steve Kerr was talking about the war in Iraq and how much he supported him. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't like a thing where he silenced him or shut him up or fined him for talking or things, something like that. So I wanted to talk to Mark Cuban about it. So, you know, they were playing the Wizards here one time. I still live in D.C. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sat down and I just interviewed him. He did a great interview with me for the book and talked about, you know, how much he values activism and how much he values athletes using their voices and how, you know, he uses his voice a lot. You know, he's not really shy about saying what he believes. So I asked him about what he, you know, has said vocally about Trump and, you know, about how the backlash being in, you know, in Texas, was he afraid of, you know, (laughs) speaking out so much about something like that? And, you know, so we had a great conversation. So, well, that's really neat. Yeah, I'd be interested in reading that. And uh, also, I'm probably tempted to check out your fatherhood book. Um, uh, I'm probably not going to post this episode online for a couple months. I'm trying to, you know get some more episodes and post them as we get closer to, to next season. And, okay. but, um, uh, I'm actually, my wife and I are expecting our first child due in January. So, Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So I'd be very interested to read your fatherhood book. I'm excited and, uh, nervous at the same time, but I know it'll be good. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's a great thing. And what I do with the fatherhood book was also well, fatherhood book. I wanted to get a lot of different voices, um, uh-huh. to collectively talk about fatherhood and the topic of fatherhood. So, 
Um, I interviewed people like Chris Paul and Kevin Durant and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and also like Talib Kweli and Tony Hawk and Andre Agassi, and oh, wow. we're all talking about fatherhood from different perspectives. And um, you know, I really wanted it to be a motivational book for young people, which is really why I did it in the first place um, to really see images uh, and stories. Uh, first of all, men who they admire and watch on TV and things of that nature um, talk about their love for their children and also uh, for other men to to talk about their upbringing. Some people grew up in single parent households and they were able to still make the right choices and the right decisions in life. And they didn't just become one of the statistics because they grew up in a single parent household, which is something that you always hear. Mm -hmm. So I wanted them to hear um, different people tell their stories and uh, really just for it to be inspirational for them. That's uh, that's really interesting. And is, is that available like through through Amazon or any, anything? Yeah, like that? yeah, okay. yeah. It's Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all where books are sold. Okay, yeah, I, I'm probably going to check that out. Um, I know I mentioned okay, it great. briefly last week. Uh, um, my wife and I are expecting our first kid, and we had the first ultrasound yesterday, and that was awesome. I really enjoyed uh, it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I talk. We talk about that whole process of you know when you when you're <laughs> expecting and the, the, how happy you are and it's really good for them to see people you know like like Grant Hill his story was amazing when he was talking yeah. about you know you know with his children and his father and you know things of that nature so yep that's what it's made for okay cool um so just a couple more questions here um okay one thing i wanted to ask you about is uh, the Etan Thomas Foundation um, you know what is it and, and and what are you what are you trying to accomplish through your foundation so what I want to accomplish really is all about motivation, all about motivationing um, with young people and inspiration. So I put on these different panel discussions all across the country, mm-hmm. and I'll get different athletes and different voices to really lend their 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 time and their their voice to these panel discussions because actually, you know, young people listen to people who they recognize. That's just what it is, whether it's an athlete or entertainer or actor or something like that. So that's really what I kind of try to utilize as motivation, and then we implement different programs, um, you know. In, in the different cities to really just kind of follow up with them um, and to see how they are progressing and things of that nature. But it's really all with motivation. And I've done it, you know, I, you know, countless, maybe 40, 50 different panels, you know, across the country. Uh, it's something I'm really passionate about. And I see the results of it, getting the feedback and things of that nature, you know, from the teachers and the principals and, you know, you know, the, the feedback of from after the panels uh, happen. So uh, they've been pretty successful. I just want to keep on doing them. That's great. Um, and is that the uh, what's the website for your foundation so the listeners can hear it? Uh, it's atonthomas.com, and okay. then there's there's a, a foundation um, tab on there. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. So here, this is uh, my last question, and it's something that I that I like to ask um, former Mavericks whenever I'm talking to them. So I know, like I mentioned last week when we were recording, um, you know, you were on the team, but you never got to play, but. Um, due to injury, but at, uh, right in front of me, I'm looking at the opening day roster for the 2000-2001 Dallas Mavericks. There are 15 names on it. I want, including you, I wanted to see how many of those 15 you could name. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, okay, well, I could go with the um, obvious with the uh, with my the people who I was drafted with. Mm-hmm. So that's of course with myself, Eduardo Nahara. Um, Courtney Alexander and Donnell Harvey. Um, but then I know, uh, okay, let me go with this. Uh, Sean Bradley uh, was there. That was my mm-hmm. vet. Um, Calvin Booth, he was there. Let's see. Uh, Greg well, Buckner. he was, I thought Booth was, 
uh, this is the opening day roster because he you were traded to Washington for Booth. I no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. You're right. You're right. So I'm yeah. thinking when I was in when I was in um, Washington, he came up yeah. to Washington after yeah. that. Okay, cool, cool. But cool. you did All get right. Buckner. I marked that down. I got Buckner. Yeah, that yeah. was my vet. He taught me about dressing. He said you have to <laughs> get out the school clothes and you have to get some <laughs> get some dresses some dress clothes now. Very um, cool. Of course, uh, Michael Finley and Hubert Davis and um, let's see, of course, Dirk Nowinski and Gary Trent. Uh, let's see here. Hmm. Tell me how many is that there? <laughs> let's see. You got one, two, three, four. Five. So five more. So you've named ten. I've named ten. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Lloyd Vaught. Yeah. Lloyd Vaught was there. Um. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. I said Howard Isley, right? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, so you have him now. So just three more now. And well, one. That might be, that one might be guy. Like... Okay, I'm, I'm. There's one guy that was traded. Na- I did say Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, right? Uh, I you, had, with them. you got Dirk now. Now you have Nash. So just two more. One guy was traded to DC with you, and another guy was barely in Dallas, but he did play varies uh, maybe like just a couple of games, but he was there on the opening day roster. Oh, Christian Leitner, I didn't say. Yeah, Leitner, and now you just got one more, and this was the one. This is be, I'd be kind of surprised if you got this one just based on how little he actually played, uh, and how and he wasn't with the team very long either. He went to Boston College. Oh, Curly. Yep, um, Bill Curly. <laughs> Bill Curly. There we go. As soon as you said Boston College, I remember. All right, Curly. Well, yeah, that's uh, usually how I like to end these uh, episodes with a little trip down memory lane. So um, thank you so much for, for calling back in, Atana. I, I really do appreciate your time. No problem at all. Thanks a lot. Okay, have a good one. Thanks. You too. Okay, bye.